Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday morning message. Today's sermon is Warrior Part 1 by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. Turn to somebody and say, I love the Lord. I'm going to speak to you today. I'm going to speak to you today on the warrior. We're going to talk about the warrior today. There he is. There he is. There's the ninja with his sword. And whatever that means up there, that's the cross. But we're going to talk about the warrior today. And I believe with all my heart that, and I am a man of peace, but I think sometimes we need to go to war. We need to go to war. And I'm going to talk to you. I hope I set the plow deep enough for you today and help you in the Holy Ghost. Pastor, Pastor. preach to us today. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Pastor, preach to us today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Pastor, preach to us today. Let me leave here a better person than I was when I walked in. Amen. You may be seated. God bless. I'm not, I'm not preaching an Easter sermon, but three blondes died and went to heaven. And they stood outside the pearly gate. And Peter said, you've got to pass a test before you can go to heaven. Here's the question, what is Easter? And the first blonde smiled really big, and she said, oh, that's so easy. She said, that's when you get together with family, you sit down at a big table, you eat turkey, and you tell God what you're thankful for. That's Easter. And Peter said, I'm so sorry, you've got to go to the other place. The second one walked in. He said, what's the meaning of Easter? And she said, oh, that's easy. You go to the mall, you sit in the lap of this really fat fellow that's got a red suit, and he's got a long white beard, and you tell him what you want for Easter. And if you're really, really good, he'll bring it on Easter morning. He'll bring you presents. Peter said, wrong again. You've got to go to the hot place. Third lady, he was worried. Would anybody, he thought, get it right? And so the third lady walks in. He said, ma'am, what's the meaning of Easter? And she smiled really big and said, oh, that's easy. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect sinless life, and he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And he was betrayed by Judas with a kiss, and he turned himself over to the Roman soldiers and then was tortured. They tortured him and hurt him and drove stakes through his wrist and through his feet, hung him on a cross. He looked up to heaven. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died. And Peter smiled and said, And? And she said, Oh, yes. And he was buried. And the third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus walked out. And then he saw a shadow and there was six more weeks of winter. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And so, so many people around the world come to church and really never know the true meaning of why Jesus came. Everybody said he came. To seek seek. and to save save. that which was lost. He came to live. He came to die. He came to be buried. He came to rise again. I told you before, it's not Easter Sunday preaching, but the tomb is empty even today, six weeks later. Jesus is not there. Everybody say, he's risen. He's risen risen from the dead. He has won the most important battle in the history of the world. In fact, around the world for centuries and centuries, people have shared what they call the Paschal greeting. The Paschal greeting is simply this. Somebody will come up and say, Christ is risen. And the answer, if you're a Christian, you answer back, he is risen indeed. So let me say it. Christ is risen. 
Wow. Say Christ is alive. Amen. Indeed. You see, many people, when they think of Jesus, they think of this safe little guy who was always meek and was always gentle and carrying a little lamb around his shoulders and giving candy to kids. And they see this blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus because even though no Jews are that way, Jesus was because we've seen the pictures. This gentle guy, he was safe. He was more of love than you could ever imagine. But yet he also was the greatest warrior who ever lived. He was the greatest warrior who ever lived. In the Old Testament, there are metaphors or images of him. God is our fortress. God is our shelter. God is our shield. Listen, God is our redeemer. God is our rock. God is our savior. God is our salvation. God is our consuming fire. And one more metaphor that people don't think of in Exodus 15 and 3, the Lord is a Warrior. Say it. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. I got it on the screen somewhere if they'll put it up. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is full of love and he is full of grace, but he also is a fierce warrior. Jesus said of himself in Matthew 10, 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth, but I have come to bring peace. A sword. I am going to fight for my church. I'm going to fight the principalities and powers of this world. I'm going to defeat darkness in your life. I'm going to walk where you are afraid to walk. And after I have walked there, you won't be afraid to walk. Because where I go, you can also go. If hell comes against you, I have defeated hell. And you don't have to be afraid of hell. If death comes against you, you don't have to fear death. I have conquered death. If things come against you from the other world, you don't have to be afraid anymore. For where I have walked, you can walk because I am a warrior. 235 times the word Yahweh, Sabaoth, which means Lord of hosts. 235 times in the Old Testament, the phrase Lord of hosts, which is Yahweh, Sabaoth, is mentioned. Overall, It is saying that God is Lord over the angels. He is the commander over all of Israel. He's the commander over all creation. He's commander over the sun, moon, and stars. There was a battle one time in the Old Testament where the stars fought against a group of people because God is the commander of the stars. Don't you ever think he's just manifest himself as this little shepherd man and he doesn't have any strength. He is a warrior. He is a God manifest in the flesh that is a warrior. And he's fighting for the church of the living God even now. Clap your hands and rejoice to that in the name of the Lord. He came as a warrior. He walked in the temple one day and saw that they were polluting the house of God and turning the house of the Lord into a den of thieves and making it a place of profit. And he turned over the tables. Or like the time, I love the story where he was teaching in his own synagogue in his own town. And they took him outside the town and tried to push him over a cliff. Tried to push him over this wall, this cliff. And the Bible said he turned. Watch this. And they parted. And he walked right through them. 
Now, I don't know. I don't know. Nothing was said. I don't know if he ever said a word. Nothing's quoted there. He was a carpenter. Maybe when he turned around, he did something like this. Or maybe when he turned around, there was this big angel behind him. I don't know what happened, but I do know when he turned and looked, they said, excuse us, and they parted. Because the warrior came alive in him. The warrior, you guys understand, you know as well as I know, when somebody looks at you with that look, you look back and say, you want some of this? I had to say that. I think Jesus, when he turned around, said, you don't want what's inside here. You don't want what I can conjure up right now. You think Harry Potter's something. You think all these witches floating around on brooms and sticks and all these movies that are in the movie house with all this power going off. Hey, I can touch it with my little finger and it'll all be naught. Because I am a man of war and I've come to have war with the devil and I've come to win the war in earth. Say amen. He's the greatest warrior who ever lived. He shed his blood on a cross. He was buried. He did spiritual battle that we may never understand. He went and did battle against every force of wickedness. The devil, every demon in hell. He took death. He took hell. He took sin. He took the grave. And Jesus won the most important battle in history of the world. He defeated all the forces. Say it with me. All the forces of darkness. You don't have to be afraid of darkness. The stone rolled away. He walked out risen, king of kings, lord of lords, the fiercest warrior who ever lived. And when he comes again, he won't come on some donkey. He's coming on a white horse. He's coming on a white horse. In fact, John said it this way in Revelation 19. I don't have it. Just listen to it. Listen to the power of this scripture. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are a blazing fire. His head has many crowns. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Somebody rejoice with me right now. God has created you, man. He's created you to have a heart of a warrior. Now, some of you ladies might complain. You might be upset today and think I'm a little chauvinistic. And they're saying today, we want to be warriors too, Pastor. Well, you can. You can be warrior princesses. Okay? But stay the way you are. Stay a lady. Because you, you're soft and you're pretty and you smell good and we like you like that. Okay? I mean, it's just as important to us on many different levels. But guys, today, can I preach to you for just a little while? There are simply not enough men of God in many churches around America. The Old Testament in Ezekiel 22 and 30 says, One time I went out, God said, and I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But how many of these men did I find? God said, I found zero. Would God find those kind of men in our church today? 
it makes one wonder. It is heartbreaking, but in churches across America and around the world, there are far more women involved in the local church than there are men. Why? I'm not sure, but one person said, and here's a perspective, the problem is in the church world, we churches have tried to turn men into women. And the studies are conclusive. Men do not make good women. We have said to men, a Christian is just a nice guy, safe, nice, and yet when we look at scripture, we see that a man of God is much more than just a nice guy. Men, my goal today is to build you up. Because so often churches tear you down. I mean, look at Mother's Day versus Father's Day. And Father's Day is coming up in two weeks. Mother's Day, what do we do? We tell moms how great they are and how wonderful they are. And it's true. Ladies, you deserve it. But on Father's Day, what do we do? We tell men many times they stink and they're no good. You need to be a better dad. And for so long, we have told men what they're not instead of what they are. I'm telling every man in this house today, you are a warrior in the kingdom of God. You are somebody that your family depends on. Oh, I want to preach right now. You are somebody that the family needs and your children need in your life today. Amen. God created you different. You know that. You have something for which you desire to fight. Write this down. Write this down. Put this on your refrigerator. I'm a refrigerator pastor. Because that's where the bluebell is for crying out loud. (laughs) Every warrior has a cause to fight for. There's something that takes place in the heart of every man when he recognizes there's a cause outside of him. And that's bigger than him. That he's willing to give his life for. There's something inside every man, a godly desire to fight for that which is righteous, which is true, and which is pure. I love what Nehemiah did in the Old Testament. He had a cause to fight for. The walls of the city were broken down. The people of God were vulnerable. And he said, someone must do something about this. And he rallied other men. And watch how he inspired them. I put it on the screen. Men... There's a battle before you. The walls are torn down. The temple has been destroyed. It's not a good place for the people of God to come home from Babylon too. We've got to do something. Then he said, don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of your enemies. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He said, gentlemen, here's what we're going to do. We are going to fight. It's time for a fight. He said, fight for your brothers, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your homes. And the men said, absolutely. I wonder if I could get a bunch of men today just to open their mouth and say, pastor, if you'll preach, we'll say absolutely today. It's time for men to stand up in this hour. Not physically right now, but to stand up and say, Pastor, the temple is not going to go down. The walls are not going to be destroyed. The enemy's not going to come into our home and take away our children. We're not going to be deceived by hell any longer. We're not going to lay back passive and be passive men. We're going to stand up and say, I will go to war against the darkness of this hour. I will go to war against hell itself. I will have a family that will live for God now. Say amen to that. 
Oh, yeah, I'll fight for it. I'll fight for that. I'll fight for what's broken. I'll fight for my family. There's a difference between movies. There are two kinds of movies. There's chick flicks and there's real movies. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. You know, you know you like chick flicks because you're a chick that likes flicks. For a guy, can I go ahead and say it? It's 90 minutes of pure hell. Nicholas Sparks can write all the books he wants to write. I love you, Nicholas. But, you know, I, I, I just, some of them were good, but I have to admit I got a soft side. But I watch them because my wife loves chick flicks, and we get to kiss afterwards, and that's always good. <laughs> but there's something about a guy movie. There's something about a movie that does, a guy movie does something for a guy. Right, guys? I'm going to say one word, and you're going to say, wow, gladiator. Yeah. Russell Crowe. My wife liked that movie because she thinks he's good looking. He's got hair, you know. But a movie like that makes you feel close to God. You see these peasants coming against the authorities in the strongholds, and they're trying to get their freedom. In the words, he said, brothers, what we do on earth echoes in eternity. I'm worshiping God. I'm this close to heaven. My father-in-law used to say when he'd see a good film like that, now, boys, God was in that theater. God was in that movie. I mean, it starts with your brave heart. Oh, there's another one. Mel Gibson, William Wallace, he paints his face blue. When you saw that movie, you wanted to go home and get paint out. You came out of the bedroom and you, <laughs> you had your sword in your hand. Your wife said, my God, and she called 911. She thought she was losing her mind. It's amazing. I mean, I was fierce, and you know, I wanted to free somebody right then. I even put the famous line down for you today. In fact, in fact, I did more than that. I put it on the screen for you today. Let's watch it. Let's just watch 25 seconds of glory right now with William Wallace. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. He said, guys, fight and you may die. Run, you little cowards, and you will live at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that one, to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. If that doesn't stir you up, we have some high heels waiting on you in the foyer out there, man.
And we brought some, we brought some manicurists, and they'll do your fingernails for you. And they'll paint some pretty flowers on your fingernails. And we'll, boy, that makes you want to get up, doesn't it? That makes you want to get up. A guy goes to a movie like that with his best friend, and you walk out. And the guy looks at your little finger or something. You say, what you looking at? You want some of this? God, it makes you feel good. Amen. It's internally, and you know it's true, and I'm going to say it on the screen, until you find the cause for which you are willing to die, you never truly live. I'd like to ask a question today. Can I ask it? Is Jesus Christ worth giving your life for? Come on, is Jesus Christ worth giving your life for? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not going to say it's going to take place. But I will tell you this. The Bible said we will be persecuted. There will be times when you're going to be turned against because you practice and love the name of the Lord. Somebody stand up and say, he's worth everything in my life. I will give everything to him. He's worth going to war against evil in this world over Somebody help me preach today. Every warrior has a cause to fight for. God bless you. Let me give you a second foundational truth that I've discovered. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. This is where a lot of guys get stupid. And men, we're just too good for this. Without the right cause to fight for, we get bored. And we fight against the wrong things because we're made. We're made for conquest. God made us to conquer. God made us. Every commercial you see about a man is the man. And I know TV has emasculated men. And I know... That we need our men softer and gentler and loving and kind. And I'm going to preach about that. But I think deep inside of us, there's something that dwells and wells up within us and says, Pastor, thank you for bringing my spirit of warring back. Because hell wants to destroy everything in my home. Don't you ever think that hell's asleep on you because when you're sleeping, hell's a working somewhere in this world. And you've got to spend your day understanding that you've got a God in your corner and you've got a warring God in, on your side that says, if you'll just do it, if you'll step out, I'll go with you and I'll step out with you because I am for you. Amen? Amen. You see guys all the time fighting against authority that's above them because they've gotten bored. Whether they're on their job or against God, they become rebellious and self-destructive. You see men who will find, you'll find men who are hurt the people that has called, they've called to love the most like their wives, like their children. He becomes destructive. He self-destructs and he takes those around him with him. You'll see guys who get bored and do the most stupid thing ever. Like you'll see guys throw away their marriage because of a moment of boredom on a stupid, lustful desire, and they self-destruct. You'll see guys who hurt people who are trying to help them the most because a warrior without a right cause becomes destructive. Saul of Tarsus was this way in the New Testament. He did understand the cause of Christ. He didn't, I mean. So he hurt the most important cause because he was a warrior without a right cause. 
Acts chapter 8 says, but Saul began to destroy the church. He went from house to house and he dragged off men and women and he put them in prison and he killed innocent believers because he was a warrior without a right cause. Now I know there are some ladies and you're going, okay, pastor, back off this warrior talk. Guys are already dangerous enough. And many women say that because they've been hurt by the man's strength gone bad. And that can happen. Strength God gave to man to be used for great good. However, it can be used for great evil as well. A warrior, gentlemen, that's what you are. God gave you the heart of a warrior and you have a cause to fight for. But without a divine cause from heaven, you'll fight against the wrong things over and over and over again. So what I want to ask you today is define your cause. Name your cause today. Can I tell you that? Some of you are 18 years old. Your cause is not the same as a 37-year-old cause. And some 54-year-old causes are not the same as an 82-year-old cause. But everybody in this house needs to find a cause today. You need to find something because hell does not want anybody going to heaven. Moses at 120, the Bible said the enemy wrestled with Michael for the body of Moses because he wrestled after a man was 120 years old to take him to his place instead of God getting to take him to his place. You hear me? The devil wants to destroy our homes. He wants to destroy your families. He wants to destroy your allegiance. You've got to find a cause and you've got to stand up. And you've got to take your sword in your hand and say, I will win this battle. It's time to quit being passive in our lives. Some of you, it may be your marriage. That may be your cause today. Some of you, it may be your marriage. Some of you men need to maybe repent and say, honey, would you forgive me? Would you wash me? I've been a man of God that I shouldn't have been. And God called me to be something greater. And today I surrender my life not only to the Lord Jesus Christ, but I surrender my life to our family. And our family is going to be different because I will lead different spiritually. And that's your cause. Some of your cause may be your children today because your children are straying away from the truth of God right now. And you may be a great warrior in business and you may be a great warrior in sports, but you're a passive warrior at home where you should be the fiercest warrior of all, where you stand in the gap for your kids and say, no, I'm going to pray you back in. I'm going to love you back in. I'm going to coach you back in. Some of your causes may be financial freedom because sadly too many warriors buy into that more material things bring happiness. So strapped they get give to the kingdom of God. You don't have anything to do anything with, but you need to say enough is enough. I will lead us to financial freedom so we can make a difference in life. Warriors, some of you, you're living a life as a recipient of a generational curse because your dad had lust in his life, your grandpa had lust in his life, and his daddy had had three or four affairs, and it's coming down to you, and you think you can't do anything but have affairs and have drinking problems and have drug problems. I'm here to tell you, there is a power in the name of Jesus Christ. To break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. You don't have to live in a generational curse in your life. You can be broken. You can be broken. God can break the chain that's holding you bound in your life today. Somebody's got to say enough is enough. So pastor, what is your cause? My cause is you. 
My cause is you. I have a cause to that. That's why I'm preaching the gospel the way I am. Please, I apologize if I'm hurting your feelings today. But I've got a cause. My cause is to not let hell take your family. Is to not take the world, make you passive. Is to not make you relax and say, you know what? I'm just tired of fighting. Get your second wind. Come on. God lets it, wants to refresh you today. Get your second wind and say, not in my house. Not in my house. Not in my house. I love this church. I love the people of this church, and I also love the outsiders. I love people that walk in this church. And if you're visiting for the first time today, you're at a place where a pastor cares enough about you to tell you there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is strength in the name of Jesus. You can have it. I put it on my notes. You need to receive it. You need to believe it. You need to live it with no false sense of security. The real Christian warrior and family is a man who will fight for the cause of his family. Name your cause. For without a cause, without a cause, you'll turn destructive because you were made to be a warrior. There's two ways to fight, and I'm going to close. Very quickly, there's two ways to fight. Sometimes you've got to throw a punch. I remember when I was just a boy, I was a freshman in, in school. I wasn't in high school yet. Our, our junior high, our middle school was 7th, 8th, and 9th. And high school was 10th, 11th, and 12th. And my brother was an 11th grader. My brother did not play sports. And so if you didn't play sports, you were not known as a tough guy. And so a senior who was a year older than my brother, kept pushing on him and picking on him in public places. I think the guy really feared my brother, but he, uh, he pushed him against lockers and he would bump him in the hall and knock him off his balance and he would challenge him in the cafeteria and he would shove him and then walk away and with all of his gang of buddies. And he intimidated my brother for probably about three months. And one morning I woke up in my, in my, uh, in my house, in my room, and I, I heard Daddy and my brother talking in the front room. And so... Um, they had shut my door. They didn't want me to hear, but you can't keep me out. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to keep your kids out either. They're going to hear. You better take, have a date night and turn your phones off because they know how to click into your phone and listen to your conversation without you even knowing it. I, I believe that with all my heart. <laughs> and so I walked out into the living room, and I heard my, 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 my daddy say, Son, did you start this? He said, No, Dad, I didn't. I didn't start it. Daddy's been, he's been embarrassing me for three months. Dad, I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. He said, son, do you think, do you think you can whip him? He said, dad, I don't know. I don't know if I can whip him or not. He's a, he's a, he's a tough guy. I don't know if I can whip him or not. And daddy said, well, you're a Johnson. You're tough too. He said, son, I, want, I tell you what you do. He said, you didn't start it, but said, even if you get whipped, at least show that you're a man. So my brother went to school that day and they was going to meet and boy, I was nervous. God, I was nervous. I couldn't wait to get home to see what happened I wish HBO would have been there to film it. It would have, have been a Mike Tyson debacle because it lasted about 30, 45 seconds. My brother had three months pinned up in him. And I'm not, ta- I'm, I'm, I'm not talking, I'm not telling you to go out on a parking lot and deck somebody today. I'm talking about the evil spirit that wants to destroy your home. I'm talking about spirits here, okay? I'm not saying, oh, give me somebody. But my brother put that boy in the hospital for two weeks he couldn't even graduate 
he became known as Tiger Johnson. <laughs> he was quiet, but he was vicious. And when I got in school, I was Tiger Johnson's little brother. <laughs> and nobody, nobody, nobody ever tried to mess with me. One time an old boy took my head and jerked it up and said, you drank after the seniors. I'm going to drink the water first. And the other guy said, you know who that is? He said, I don't care who it is. He said, yeah, you, knew, you need to know who that is. That's Eddie Johnson's little brother. That's Tiger's little brother. He said, oh, go ahead and drink, son. Go ahead and drink. I love it. I love it. They didn't want none of me either. But you know what? I love my family. Everybody love their family in this house? If you break in my house, the first thing's going to happen, there's going to be an alarm that's going to wake the dead that goes off in my house. If you break into my house, there's going to be an alarm that goes off. And time that alarm goes off, I'm going to be up ready because I can talk on the phone right now if you call at 2 in the morning. I don't have a morning voice. I can talk right now. I'm, I'm quick and I'm alert, and I'm going to have several weapons. And if I can't shoot you, I'm going to use my nunchucks. And if I can't nunchuck you, I'm going to use... I got something heavy to throw at somebody. I, I'm not going to fight fair if you break into my house. The Bible said that in, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. But I want to tell the devil, I've got some weapons that he might ought to get ready for. I've got a name that's above every name. Amen. I've got the blood of Jesus to throw at him. You hear me? I've got the word of God to throw at him. There's power in the Holy Ghost to throw at him. He don't know what's going to come next. Are you with me today? I'm not going to fight fair. I'm going to use every weapon at my discretion because if you break in my spiritual home, I'm going to be a warrior. I'm going to throw a punch. I'm coming back after you. Come on, men. Come on, dads. Come on, husbands. It's not time to be passive. It's time to be proactive in your family. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Sometimes you got to throw a punch, and then there's sometimes you got to turn cheek. Oh, I hate this kind of preaching, Pastor. No, you got to turn cheek sometimes. See, when Jesus Christ was in Gethsemane, he was prepared to give his life as a ransom for all of us. I'm closing, Randy, if you'll come help me. And the Roman soldiers came to arrest him, and Pete pulled out his sword, and he swung at a man's head, and the man ducked, and he got his ear. And Jesus reached down and picked up that ear and put it back on that man's side of his head, and he said, Peter, put up your sword. You live by it, you die by it. Sometimes it's not time to throw a punch. Sometimes it's time to turn cheek and to let somebody know that there is a power greater than any force in this earth. It's called the love of God that is abiding in our hearts and in our lives. Our weapon today he told Pete, is not a sword. The weapon today is love. And so, Jesus fought the fiercest battle, and he did it by turning his cheek. And with divine love that could only come from heaven, here's what he did. He let them beat him, 
They blindfolded him. They beat him with those big Roman soldier signet rings on his face again and again and again. And they whipped him and they took it, he took it again and again and again in 39 stripes. They beat him until he was actually prophesied of him that he didn't even look like a man. He looked like an animal. He hung on a cross and at that moment he could have spoken the words that brought legions of angels. Could have wiped out everyone who was hurting him. But he fought that day with love. He fought, he fought the fiercest battle. Father, forgive them, he said, for they don't know what they're doing. Guys, sometimes that's the only way to fight. I've gone through raising four kids. One of them got a quick trip to glory, but... Raising children is not an easy task. Sometimes you have to draw a sword and fight for their lives. And sometimes you got to put the sword down. And you got to hug them in spite of. Because they need to feel more than just your fierceness. Because sometimes they misunderstand that to mean that you're fighting against them when you're really not. You're fighting a cause that's trying to destroy them. And it's the same way with family. Guys, your family is still great enough to weep over. Your family is still awesome enough to bow down on your knee and to say, God, I can't do this by myself. I'm going to need a little help. I need you, Lord. Help me today. Help me love that wayward boy. Help me love that wayward daughter. Help me love people that have tried to hurt our family. Help me love them. You know, the Bible said you got to love your neighbor. you got to love yourself. you got to love your enemies. My God, he covered everybody. He didn't leave anybody out. Somebody needs to love today. Somebody needs to feel the love of God today. Somebody said, Pastor. Oh, you have to say it. People have said, Pastor, how did you build this church? How did it grow? It grew with God. It grew with God. God grew this church. But what he grew it with was preaching with a weapon in my hand and loving people at the same time un, undeniable love that's a warrior that's a warrior that's a warrior Christianity is not a playground it's a battleground and you gotta fight and you gotta love you ever read the story of Nehemiah when they built the wall? They had a trial in one hand. A trial is what they did the masonry work with. It's what they smoothed the, the mud with. It's a trial. And they had a sword in the other hand. They had something to fight with. 
and they had something to calm the wall with and to calm the situation with and to make the rough edges go away and to bring smoothness into the family. You've got to understand that there's times to throw a punch and there's times to turn the other cheek. And when you understand that, you understand true Christianity. I want everybody to know today that I love preaching to this congregation. But I love this congregation more than I love preaching to you. My love for this church is greater than my love for preaching to you. So I'm saying to you, Dad, I'm saying to you, men, you've got to love the people. You've got to love family. You've got to love your kids. You've got to love people more than you love doing anything else in this world. And when you love your family, when you love your kids, and when you love people, God Almighty is going to honor that. You don't have to fight everybody. Oh, I love William Wallace, and I love, I love Gladiator. I love that. But I'm going to tell you something. There's times when you've got to just hug them up and get tender with them and say, you know what? Maybe I hadn't been the dad I wanted to be and needed to be. Maybe I hadn't been the Christian I needed to be. Hug your wife and say, you know, maybe I hadn't been the person that I needed to be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for using those hard words at you. I'm sorry for doing things that I did. It's all right. I guarantee you, a wife that sees a tender heart of a husband, I guarantee she'll fight for you. She'll become the prince's warrior in your life. Can you stand to your feet? You're awesome people. I love you very much today. Clap your hands for the word of the Lord today. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.